Hey, what's up everybody? This is Austin Haynes with the Waking Justice Project and this is your daily wake-up call. Here's what the corporatocracy is up to today, February 5th, 2020. You can visit our website at wakingjustice.org for more details. Here are the headlines. In our podcast today, we're going to do a thought experiment with you. It'll be instructive as to what the Democratic leadership is up to regarding the primary results in Iowa this week. And it's something that any of us who care about truth, freedom, and democracy in America, whether Democrat or Republican, all of us should be thinking about. Probably the best way to set this up is to reference our podcast from yesterday, where we discussed the latest DNC committee appointees. If you caught that podcast, you'll recall that the DNC committees set the agenda for the Democratic Party, including foreign and domestic policy, etc. No surprise there, but that agenda also shapes how the Democrats' superdelegates will vote at the Democratic Convention next July. Superdelegates are VIP Democrats who are handpicked by the DNC leadership. At the convention in July, if the voting in the Democratic state primaries has not produced a nominee with an overwhelming majority of delegates in state voting, then the superdelegates cast their votes to determine the final nominee. And the power of the superdelegates to determine the final nominee is much more a near certainty than the DNC would have us believe. Most folks don't realize that it was the superdelegates who pushed Barack Obama over Hillary Clinton in the 2008 election. And it was state-by-state superdelegates who influenced Hillary Clinton's win over Bernie Sanders in 2016. Especially after the Iowa debacle, most observers agree that no Democratic candidate will be able to garner enough delegates to overwhelm the influence of the superdelegates at the Democratic Convention in July. So it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that the superdelegates will decide the Democratic nominee. Further, it's widely accepted that the superdelegates pretty much all vote in lockstep with the guidance of the DNC committee members. Even Bernie's own campaign aides admit this. And as we explained on our podcast yesterday, the committee members are a virtual who's who list of neoliberal corporate elites, dominant insiders from big banks, big pharma, big defense, and the CIA. Further, two members of the DNC committees are actually simultaneously working for the campaigns of billionaire candidate Mike Bloomberg. One was just nominated as the vice chair of the powerful Convention Rules Committee. So with those foundational immutable facts established, let's begin our thought experiment. Most indie experts agree that the DNC has loaded its rules committees to ensure that Bernie Sanders does not become the Democratic nominee. But for our thought experiment, Let's assume by some huge act of protest, the DNC committees and superdelegates went against everything they were appointed for and instead allowed Bernie to proceed as the nominee. Okay, we'll call that miracle number one of our thought experiment. So Bernie goes on to run in the general and beats Donald Trump 
as all the polls say he would easily do. And along the way, Bernie also inspires hundreds of people to run for the US Congress and even the Senate. And by the sheer excitement of Bernie's momentum, when he enters the presidency, he also has a majority-friendly House and Senate to work with. Also huge, because he'll need a friendly majority in both houses to pass all the reforms he's been running on, like Medicare for All, the Green New Deal, and the elimination of student debt by taxing Wall Street speculators. So let's assume that Bernie's miracle presidency coincides with a majority-friendly House and Senate. We'll call that miracle number two. And with that, let's assume that by the end of his first year, Bernie works with both houses to pass his signature reform, a Medicare for All single-payer national health insurance program that provides everyone in America comprehensive health care coverage, free at the point of service. And in 12 months, the Medicare for All bill clears both houses and reaches his desk and he signs it into law. We'll call that miracle number three in our thought experiment. Now remember, to afford Medicare for All, Bernie says that the US government will have to force Big Pharma to lower prices on prescription drugs. This is a critical aspect because Big Pharma currently charges Americans, on average, three times the price that it charges for the same drugs in other developed countries. It's basically a massive price-fixing scam on Americans. And thanks to Barack Obama, Big Pharma basically has a triple firewall of legal protection. Here's why. When Obama was president, he sponsored certain laws and court appointees to protect Big Pharma profits. He effectively made both the FDA and the Department of Justice revolving door agencies for Big Pharma. And Obama appointed judges who were friendly to Big Pharma to set legal precedents that protect Big Pharma's price-fixing powers. Of course, all that can be reversed through various legal actions taken ultimately to the Supreme Court. And as we all know, the Supreme Court has been stacked with corporate-friendly judges over the past decade. So, if we assume that all that legal maneuvering could happen in favor of Medicare for All, we would definitely need to consider it a miracle, and a huge one at that. But fuck it, it's our thought experiment, so let's call that miracle number four. Now, if we're accounting for all these miracles and putting them on an aggressive timeline, but still sort of keeping it real, It'd take at least the first three years of Bernie's presidency to get all the way there. And that's being very generous. So we'll need to account for another miracle, that by his midterm, Bernie still has enough mojo to somehow keep corporate big media at bay. And in the midterm elections, he's able to retain a majority in both the House and the Senate. That'd be crucial to getting to the finish line on Medicare for All by the end of year three. So we'll call that success in midterm elections miracle number five. We could keep going, but you get the picture, right? If we're being straight up and forthright about the battles ahead, we've got some massive obstacles to overcome. And that's just Medicare for All. That set of miracles and aggressive timeline are roughly the same for the Green New Deal 
and for taxing Wall Street to pay off student debt and fund free college tuition. But this thought experiment isn't simply about identifying the battles ahead. It's about identifying the enemy that we're all up against. So we're best prepared to fight those battles. And it's not simply a battle against Republicans, as the DNC paints it. As we mentioned at the outset, the so-called corporate Democrats have stacked the DNC committees to ensure that Bernie is not the nominee. It's a betrayal of our democracy, and the so-called corporate big media has not even mentioned it. So if we're trying to identify the true enemy that we're up against, the enemy of democratic reforms and programs that Bernie and the other few anti-establishment candidates like Tulsi Gabbard, Andrew Yang, and Elizabeth Warren have proposed, we have to look at the industries that those reforms target. That's who the corporate Democrats represent. We know that Medicare for All will end price-fixing schemes of big pharma corporations. We know that pledges to end the grotesque overspending on regime change wars for oil will diminish profiteering by both big defense and big oil corporations. And big oil will also be weakened by the Green New Deal because of its aggressive plan to invest in new alternative energies that replace fossil fuels. Which brings us to big banks. Big oil is the lifeblood of big banks. As we have explored in previous podcasts, the profitability of big banks is highly dependent on global sales of oil in US dollars. It's called the petrodollar system, and foreign oil is the number one reason that the CIA and CIA front groups like USAID and the National Endowment for Democracy are constantly instigating regime change wars in oil producing countries. Most folks don't realize that Wall Street pretty much built the CIA back in the 1940s and has dominated its agenda ever since. It's all well documented and clarifies why the primary agenda of US foreign policy is to force nations like Venezuela, Syria, Iran, Libya, Iraq, and African countries, including Nigeria, Angola, and the Congo, to force the sale of their oil in US dollars. Of course, the forced sale of global oil in US dollars forces global demand for US currency. Global demand for US currency props up the value of the US dollar in global financial markets and empowers big banks as predatory lenders to debtor nations who need to buy oil to fuel their national economies. And the buck stops there with big banks. The financial elite among big banks, Wall Street, and related financial institutions are the controlling shareholders of pretty much all major corporations across all major industries, including big oil, big defense, big pharma, big chemical, big meat and dairy, and yes, big media. 90% of all major media outlets are controlled by just six major corporations and the controlling shares of all those corporations are owned by a handful of financial institutions. The financial elites at the top of this corporate hierarchy are variously called, quote, the billionaires, the top 1%, the oligarchs, or more specifically, who indie scholar and author Naomi Klein refers to as the plutocrats. Klein is right to make this distinction. 
as she recently tweeted in reference to billionaire Michael Bloomberg buying his way into the Democratic primary late. She wrote, Plutocracy is government by the wealthy. A plutocrat is a person whose power derives from their wealth. For example, she continues, quote, He had long been an oligarch, but he longed to be a true plutocrat. So he dipped into his billions to buy an election, unquote. Indeed, as Princeton University researchers have determined that over the past 40 years, the average working class American has had a near zero, statistically non-significant impact on public policy. But when the 10% want to stop any new policy, there is a 100% chance they'll get their way. That's billionaires in the upper professional class that dominates US domestic and foreign policy. As Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Chris Hedges has written, the coup d'etat is over, the corporations won. The US is no longer a representative democracy. Corporations now control all levers of democratic reform in America, including both political parties, the mass media, and the courts. As the Princeton study proves, the US is no longer a representative democracy, but a corporate plutocracy, or corporatocracy as some call it. It is agents of the corporatocracy who are pulling the strings of the Democratic Party. All the while, its corporate media outlets like CNN and MSNBC distract and divide us for social control. Just as they're doing now with the absurd spectacle of the Iowa primary, holding back results, slowly revealing cherry-picked returns to steal the predictable bounce that Bernie would have gotten from that win. And instead, propping up Pete Buttigieg as the winner in Iowa. It's a clever tactic, and we the people are seemingly helpless but to watch it unfold as it distracts the electorate from Bernie's momentum. But we're not helpless. We just need to understand the enemy and the battlefield. It's class warfare, and it is war, y'all. People are getting killed. Our military is endlessly bombing poor nations, killing masses of poor people with bombs funded by our tax dollars. Also, big banks can force those nations onto the petrodollar system. And here at home, people are dying too. It's because so many can't afford overpriced drugs by Big Pharma. Big Pharma charges Americans three times more for medicines here in America than in other developed countries. And we're sick and we're diseased because the corporate-controlled USDA promotes a food pyramid based on meat and dairy foods, which are the leading cause of death and disease. 18 of the top 20 pharmaceutical products sold worldwide are medicines that treat diseases associated with animal-based foods. It's a disease-for-profit food system. And please be clear, healthcare spending in the U.S. accounts for 20% of the U.S. GDP. That's about $4 trillion per year. That's huge. It means healthcare spending in the U.S. is greater than the entire GDP of Germany, the world's fourth largest economy. And do you think if Germany's economy was threatened, they wouldn't get on a war footing? That's how the corporatocracy sees Bernie Sanders. His Medicare for All program 
threatens Big Pharma's death grip on Americans. It threatens 20% of annual revenues for the corporatocracy. They know Bernie will end the revolving door of Big Pharma into the FDA and Department of Justice. They know he'll end the regime change wars for oil and his Green New Deal will signal the beginning, finally, to replacing fossil fuels with clean, renewable energies. And the big banks aren't having it. It's why they have stacked the DNC committees with Wall Street insiders and CIA associates. Anyone who can't see it or who looks away at this point is just being willfully ignorant. But we can no longer afford the luxury of willful ignorance. We have to wake up to this moment in history. Indeed, we are at war. It's class warfare by the billionaire class of the corporatocracy on the working class people. It's playing out right now in the wake of the election fraud in Iowa. The corporatocracy and its corporate media are intentionally disrupting the election process to confuse and distract the electorate. And if you're listening to this or reading this on our website in disbelief, then they are winning. Don't let them. Think for yourself. Look at the facts. Look at history. What they are doing now in the Democratic primary is right out of the CIA playbook. What the CIA calls psychological operations or psyops. It's political warfare or information warfare. And it is supremely effective because its victims don't know how to fight it. Voting in a rigged system will not win it. And protesting in the streets won't either. We're not saying don't vote or protest. We're saying we must combine voting and protest with real political leverage. And the only real political leverage we have in a corporate plutocracy is economic boycott. Indeed, mass organized boycott is the only political will that has ever effectively challenged such entrenched and moneyed power. It was the salt and textile boycotts led by Gandhi that won India her independence. It was the mass picket lines and sit-down strikes in the 1930s that won American workers a 40-hour work week, sick leave, and overtime pay. It was the bus boycotts and restaurant sit-ins in the 1960s by black Americans that won civil rights reforms. It was the grape boycotts and salad boycotts in the 1960s and 70s that won migrant farm workers economic justice. And it was the divestment boycotts on college campuses in the 1980s that finally ended apartheid in South Africa. If we understand that our enemy today is the corporatocracy and we investigate its vulnerabilities to boycott, we will find that there are two industries most susceptible to mass boycott and most strategic to our cause, big media and big meat and dairy. A mass organized boycott of corporate big media would effectively muzzle the corporatocracy. And combined with a mass boycott of indie journos on social media who would support our just revolt, would elevate the bold, diverse voices of independent journalism and hasten a global awakening. And with a mass organized boycott of big meat and dairy, we would send shockwaves through the corporatocracy. Check this out. 
Big meat and dairy consumption and production are the leading drivers of sales and profits for two other major industries, Big Pharma and Big Chemical. As we mentioned before, 18 of the top 20 Big Pharma products sold worldwide are medicines that treat diseases associated with animal-based foods. And regarding Big Chemical, the sales of fertilizers and pesticides made by Big Chem companies like Monsanto and Bayer are used primarily to grow feed crops for farmed animals. 70% of grain grown in the U.S. is used as feed crops for animal agriculture. So a mass organized boycott of big meat and dairy will directly threaten profits for big pharma and big chem as well. Further, all three industries, big meat and dairy, big pharma, and big chem are huge customers of big oil. Petrochemicals are the building blocks of most pharmaceuticals for big pharma. And most all the synthetic fertilizers and pesticides made by Big Chem are petroleum-based products. So a boycott of big meat and dairy will also significantly impact big oil profits. And when oil sales drop, that is how we can finally challenge big banks and force the corporate elites and their political shills to the people's bargaining table. If we don't invest ourselves in such comprehensive leverage now, we will never sustain the half dozen or so miracles it'll take to win Medicare for All and the Green New Deal, not in our lifetime. Without applying real economic leverage, it's a fantasy that the corporatocracy will allow us. As long as we're just voting and marching in the streets, we do not challenge their economic power. When we combine our voting and marching with mass organized boycott, we will have a substantive strategy that will command their reckoning. All right, so we'll leave it there for today. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you want to learn more about how all of us in the work for global justice can join together in strategic boycott and finally force this corporatocracy to the people's bargaining table to end all this injustice and corruption, to save our democracy and to help save our planet, please visit our website at wakingjustice.org. You can check out our about page and listen to our first podcast. While you're there, you can sign up to get your daily wake-up call delivered right to your inbox each day. Just fill out the quick form at the top right of our homepage. And each morning by 4.20 a.m., we'll email you a link and quick description of the podcast for that day. And if you want more info on how you can get involved, you can email us at info at wakingjustice.org. We'd love to hear from you. We're running out of time, y'all. So join us. Peace. You must be involved in the struggle for freedom and just justice. Man.
you know it's staying tall and keep dropping the knowledge. Justice is waking, justice is rising, and it ain't just us, it's all of us. If it's my love.